Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and ghouls, step right up. Behind this curtain lies a ghastly concoction of delight, horror, fantasy, and terror. Your every wish is our command. Your every whimsical desire brought to life. But I'm warning you, there's always a price. Welcome to the greatest And welcome back to the greatest show on earth that is Talking Terror. As always, I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G, welcoming you to this episode of the show, where it is indeed my birthday. So we're going to be covering my film pick of the week tonight, Woo-hoo! The House on the Edge of the Park, directed by Ruggiero Diodato, released in Italy in 1980, but not in the U.S. until 1985. So a little bit of a stretch there. So that's why a lot of it feels very post-1970s. But we're going to be talking about a lot of sleaze later on with David Hess, the king of sleaze, if I may say. But first, we're joined by the bold and the beautiful, the Golgi Keith. Well, that would be me, but I mean, tonight, tonight, there's, there's one man who was on the pedestal tonight, and that would be our one, our only, the king of horror, Andy G. Happy birthday to you. To Happy you. birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, you. dear King. Happy birthday yeah. to you. Birthday to you. That was the talking way. The talking terror, What the fuck is going on, baby? (laughs) Welcome. So fucking excited to be on air tonight for my actual birthday. To be talking about some Italian sleaze. We're also joined by the psychotic singer himself, the Prince Memoir's Day. Yes, get funky with the monkey. Oh, yes, Fred Fans and Hall Hounds. It is Wednesday night, so it must be Talking Terror time, baby. Your favorite time of the week where we, your four horsemen of terror, come in your ears with the latest horror news, nerd customs, and movie reviews. But if you miss us live, don't worry, you zombie little heads off. We got you covered because every single episode of Talking Terror is available to you for free, motherfuckers, on Spotify, iTunes, and iTunes. You just remember to share the love and make sure that you and all of your friends follow Talking Terror on Facebook and Instagram. What is up, King Birthday Boy, motherfucker? How are you doing today? Wow, I dig it. I dig it, man. I love when you bring the energy, you bring the cocaine-fueled intro. What an intro that was. Take your breath, man. Just take it easy. You and got yes, this. And while, while <laughs> so the show is indeed free to everybody who, who wants to listen, uh, do not get us wrong. You know, if you'd like to know our Zelle or, or our PayPal account information and would love to send donations, believe me, we would love Ooh. to be funded. Every day. <laughs> Look. I mean, I'll whore myself out to some sponsors. I don't care. I'll show some pity. I'll show some ass. I don't care. Get us some the king money. will be the little spoon. Yeah. If you want the king to be the little spoon, he will be the little spoon. You could be the flea on the king's back. I'm glad he'll be the little spoon. You could cuddle me all night. You could rub your beard up against mine. We could play tummy sticks. I mean, we could do a lot of stuff. You just got to, you know, sponsor us. And then A lot of fun. stuff Dean doesn't let you do. <laughs> no. no he, he restricts me a lot. He censors me, but it's fine. He is a Dean, so he has to, you know, keep control. Because otherwise I would just be doing you know, like, cocaine everywhere and dancing for a And I get it, too. If you want to sponsor us, you don't want us to, to say your name or anything like that because you're embarrassed that you listen. I get it. You know, I do. So we could keep you anonymous, too. We could. <laughs> could be all I just feel like a that guy. It's all, 
Yep. It's all good. Now Maybe you can slide that money under the table, and we, we won't tell nobody. <laughs> no, you always leave it on the nightstand before the hooker comes in the room. You, you know this. Like, that's a, <laughs> the trade secret. It always goes on the dresser yeah. before she comes in. We'll do, we'll do our thing. We, <laughs> we take care of you. You take care of us. It is all good, baby. <laughs> That's right. I mean, there, there's rules to all this. Of course there is. Um, you know, I'll play Jenga with you and lose, and you can see me flip out and start to cry so I can get upset. You know, <laughs> you now, you have, now you have the ability to practice. Um, <laughs> the funny thing is, is that yesterday I like, started my vacation from my job, so of course I got tanked and started playing Jenga. So my neighbors downstairs must have been pissed hearing me go, fuck, god damn it, like every three other minutes. And this year, quite, quite a clatter of all these wooden pieces going across my kitchen floor. He goes, God damn it. I can't even do this on myself. God damn it. It's a fat fucking thing of mine. They're good for the ladies, not good for Jenga. Yeah. <laughs> now, did I, did I hear, are we joined by the dean tonight? Is he there? Uh, well, I've been commenting along there the way. Is. Welcome Hi. to the special Hi. birthday edition of Talking Terror. The special <laughs> birthday edition of Talking Terror and a and a heartfelt uh, happy birthday wishes to our very own King of Horror. Um, and I hope that your day has brought you all of the wishes that you had for your birthday. It, it was it was it was very fun. Yes, I, I got to have a good lunch, uh, and I got a whole bunch of uh, Regal Cinema gift cards from my parents. So I'll be taking care of at least for the next month for movies. <laughs> The way I go. <laughs> you know. what, what did you like, have for your birthday know. lunch? Uh, I went to this place in East Earl, which is called uh, Shady Maple. It's supposed to be one of the biggest buffets like in the U.S. So it's free on your birthday. On the, so yeah. At least on the East Coast. It is definitely the biggest buffet on the East Coast. <laughs> it's called it Shady Maple? Yeah, Shady mm-hmm. Maple. What did they have? Did they have? Did they have chicken? Anything you could think of, especially pig stomach. They had pig mm. stomach today, so I ate a lot of that. Had a lot of pig stomach. Really, an evidence that. Because Ooh. I like different things. All right. Well, they have broccoli. Yeah. I'm surprised. <laughs> I mean, over here, you know, like uh, in the New Jersey area, at least, you know, it doesn't seem to me like any of the. Uh, the buffets have recovered since COVID. Like uh, a number of, of places that have been around here forever, really, uh, have actually have closed. Yeah, yeah, and they've they've not oh. yet reopened if they ever will at all. I think, uh, you know, unfortunately, I think you know the uh, the idea of like people all sticking their hands and shit all at the same time and stuff kind of <laughs> kind of went shit the bed with with that whole sickness thing. Well, I mean, the monkey wow. in Pennsylvania, they got a lot of guns and a lot of rednecks, right? Open my damn golden buffet. I need to get in there and have my potato salad. And you're like, okay, sir. Okay. Yeah, did, you, did you see any Golden of these characters at, at Shady at Shady Shady Maple? Did you see any of these type characters? You are guaranteed to see at least a couple of Amish people, a guy that's at least 500 pounds wearing coveralls and trying to smoke inside the place, even though he can't. Uh, a woman in a mobile scooter <laughs> because she can't get up. But you were there to today. Ride around. Did, you, did you witness? Did you witness any of these things firsthand today? Is what I'm saying. Uh, I witnessed a, a large redneck family where they had a lot of Confederate uh, flag hats on today and Trump hats. And, Even though uh, yeah, they're living so, north of the Mason-Dixon. But that's course. how it is here around and, here. <laughs> of course, as my dad and I are going inside to go eat, 
there's a, two old men sitting outside, and they see a guy wearing a Trump hat, and they're like, Trumper, man, Trumper. He's going to win in 2024, 2026, 2028. You know why? Because he could do it. He's going to be the guy. And I was like, oh, great. Here we go. He's just saying, here we go. <laughs> that was literally what they said. They said that he just can't be stopped, and he's going to be president, you know, in multiple terms because he could just do that. And my dad looked at me, and he's like, don't say anything. I was like, I fucking want to. Please. <laughs> no, it's it's my birthday. I, I can start a fight outside the Shady Maple. <laughs> I can take a 90-year-old man easily. So, it's not going to be a problem. You said you had a lot of pork stomach. Uh, but my, yeah. my next question is, at the Shady Maple Buffet for your birthday lunch today, what mm-hmm. would you say was the best thing that you had there today? The best thing Egg. that I had there? Oh, absolutely, the pig stomach. That today, was so the pig stomach today was, was the best thing. Yeah, well, it was. Yeah, I mean, they had a lot of good things. You know, burgers, obviously, sausage, liver and onions, you know. Uh, but, yeah, no, liver that pig alone. stomach was <laughs> Liver alone. Did you find her swinging the liver in the mailbox? Yeah, so that was that was the best. So if you're ever out this way, definitely check that place out. Yeah. It's alone, miles Alex. long. <laughs> so it, it was a lot of fun. So, yeah, thank you for all of the birthday wishes and everything like that. Like I said, I'm good on movies for a while. Thanks to all those gift cards. Um, yeah, very cool. But um, So but who did home, give you a jingo for your birthday? It sounds like someone loved you very much and gave you a jingo for your birthday. Oh, no, they they hate me very much. Or they just enjoy my pain. Either one. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It just showed up on my doorstep. And I was like, okay, this is my time to redeem myself. I'm going to play this fucking thing. I'm going to win. Nope. It was 11.30 last three, night. I'm sitting in my kitchen. Come and play it. <laughs> three o'clock in the morning, drunk as shit. He's got some music from Karate Kid playing. You're the best. You're the best. All right. All right. Crack. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Fuck you, Jenga. Fuck you, you piece of shit. Like, just cursing at this fucking anime game. Yeah, I do that a lot. When, when I drop something, I'm always cursing at it. Like, I'll drop a cup and be like, God, piece of shit. Fuck you, cup. Fuck you. Yeah, no. <laughs> I have a very short temper when it comes to stuff like that. And it didn't help that I was also drinking heavily last night <laughs> and sitting in my dining room trying to play Jenga by myself. Jenga. But Jenga. I had Bowie once. No, it was fun. So, yeah, whoever sent that to me, they, they love my pain. They love me too. So that's what counts. Um, before we get to hard news, uh, I wanted to talk whoever a little bit is, with the ghoul. I, I think they're awesome. <laughs> they're, they're pretty cool. But... Um, so, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 dropped last week. I know the ghoul and I both had a chance to see it. Uh, I wanted to get his thoughts first. I wanted to give mine uh, because I kind of want to talk about this before we get into our news. The final chapter of the Guardians verse. Oh, what? That, that, that Marvel movie that came out last week? I think so, yeah. <laughs> the, the one that finally uh, knocked out Super Mario Brothers? <laughs> Yeah, which again, I, I kind of expected that, and I think, I think, I think all of these studios like timed all of this shit like perfectly as far as things like that went, because you know it was like, you know, there, there's the whole streaming deal with the Mario Brothers movie anyway, and I'm pretty sure the Mario movie came in second anyway. It's still, it's still making plenty of, of yes, loot. it did. Uh, <laughs> listen, Guardians was fucking fantastic. You know, James Gunn 
delivered just like he did with the two previous films. You know, anytime this man has had anything to do with this particular section of the Marvel Universe, it's been fucking gold. Uh, between the cast, between the way he tells the stories, between the way he portrays the characters, you know, all the zany shit that's happening on the side, you know, the soundtracks have all been great. Um, you know, so, so, so yes, you know, here, here we go. We, we fucking arrived for, for the third and for, for James Gunn final film within the Marvel, you know, universe for him, for at least the, the foreseeable future as he, he ends things with the guardians of the galaxy. Uh, as, as anybody knows, you know, for me, for the longest time, the first guardians of the galaxy movie was my favorite Marvel film. You know, it only got mm-hmm. dethroned by infinity war. Um, you know, because cause for me, Infinity War is fucking like, it's, it's basically like a perfect film. Um, yeah. James Gunn finally made a movie that actually, you know, like, and again, I have to go see this one a second time. It's very well possible could take that spot from the first Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, I, I, you know, and, and I get it, you know, like if I didn't already have things established with these characters, if the relationships weren't there, if all of these things weren't put into place, the effect of this movie would be, be much weakened, but man, what a fucking ride it was. You know, the, the, the film is two and a half hours long. It never fucking feels like it. Nope. Blew through the entire movie, you know, and and it was just an emotional roller coaster from the very beginning to the very end. Um, yeah, I mean, it was fucking great. Yeah, you know, and, and, and as I sat there, you know, and I had, uh, I had you know my two kids with me, and and you know both of them, you know, enjoyed the movie. Well, well, the little monster didn't enjoy it all that much because she was thick as a dog, so she was kind of like. She wanted to go, because, oh. you know, we had the ticket, and she, she wanted to be there, but, like, I could just, I felt so bad, because, like, I looked over at her at one point, and she just looked absolutely fucking miserable, and it was, mm. like, you know, it's just allergies and all that shit all hitting her at the same time, and it just blew. Um, you know, the other kid loved it, though, you know, and, and you know, he, he likes that kind of stuff, so it was, it was a good time for him, but, but, yeah, you know, like, as I sat there, you know, there were plenty of times where... You know, my, my face couldn't stop leaking, you know, and it was like, yeah. what the fuck? <laughs> like, and, and it was one of those where, I, like, I, was, I had to sit there, like, real quiet because I knew if I tried to breathe, like, too loudly, the sniffle would happen. And then they would have known, and I would have never heard the fucking end of it. So because I had <laughs> in 3D as well, you know, so, so that kind of assaults your eyes as it is. So, so it mm-hmm. just made it real easy for those fucking streams just to come pouring down my face. And I'm like, man, are they really going to go there with it? And then it was like, oh, fuck, they're going to do that. And it was just, again, one thing after the next, everything got knocked out the park. So if you enjoyed the Guardians of the Galaxy films prior and you've been on the fence to go see this one, fucking go see it. Do yourself a favor and go enjoy the ride because James Gunn has gone on over to D.C. I'm hoping now that he can bring... You know, I know he's done little bits and pieces. You know, he did the the, 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 the Suicide Squad. He's done Peacemaker. I'm hoping mm-hmm. he can bring that same cohesion that he was able to do with this pocket of the Marvel Universe. I'm hoping he can help put that together in the greater scope of whatever it is that he has planned for the DC Universe. I am Groot. Very great. Yep. He was fantastic in it. Yeah, no, I I agree. I, I used to think that Volume 2 was probably the better one, because I never really liked Volume 1 that much. I liked it, but 
I thought Volume 2 was better, but I think Volume 3 might be my favorite. Um, it has a weaker soundtrack. I mean, there are some good songs in it, but it's not as good as the previous ones. But to have Dylan uh, and High Evolutionary, yeah. It's just, it's a, they have some good tracks, like Space Hog and uh, Florence of the Machine and a couple of good tracks. But um, High Evolutionary was a fantastic villain where they played him straight rather than kind of going back and forth like they do in the comic books. Um, you know, it was just a great story all around. But like me, like we talked about this go on air where we said, this one's probably going to hurt. <laughs> it did. Like as soon as the logo popped up, I was like, oh, God, like, I'm starting to get the tears already. You know, I'm like, this is the last ride. Like, this is, like Seeing all the images of the Guardians, I'm like, this is the last one. This is the last time we're going to see them. But it was, it was funny. It was emotional. Like, yeah, I mean, it was one of those good moments where you're like, everybody's happy, but at the same time, you're kind of like feeling the tears because it's just so happy. Like, you know, and you want to be there in that moment with the Guardians. Um, but I thought everybody did a great job. I thought Nebula was fantastic in this one. Like, she really, you know, shined as a character in Volume 3 as opposed to the previous two. Um, <clears throat> they really gave her a lot of depth and I really did appreciate that. Could have used a little bit more of Warlock, though. I think, uh, you know, it was good to see him in the movie, but, you know, that buildup, and you just don't get enough. I kind of wanted more, but hopefully we will get more along the way. I am Groot. Yeah, I mean, you know, like like with that character, <laughs> though, you know, like I, I felt like that was going to be a weird thing for them to play with, you know, because the Warlock character actually had a lot to do with the Infinity Gauntlet series when that mm-hmm. came down. Yeah. Yep. So being that we've We've moved away from that already, and we had no, you know, nothing at all with him in that. I really did wonder, like, hey, okay, they're going to bring Adam Warlock into Guardians. Okay, how are they going to do this? I I enjoyed what they did with Will Poulter. And I think, um, yes, I think, you know, what they set up is possible more. But, you know, the the reality is, is I think they just kind of were like, all right, we have an actor who can do comedic, but a character that is super powerful. So how can we work with this? And I think they found like a very happy place with it, you know? And, uh, but yeah, and, and as far as Nebula goes, Karen Gillan, yes, absolutely fucking, again, brilliant performance. You know, it's one of those where, and again, this is where, like I was saying earlier, the whole thing is like, if you didn't see the other movies, if you, everything's been established and worked, like, her performance in this one makes all the performances in the previous series shine all the more because you see, yeah. like, a full evolution of that character who, you know, what we started with as a villain has, you know, come full circle, and it's like, it's just, it's, it's, yeah, it, it was amazing to behold. You know, again, kudos all around for for everybody involved with it, you know, and it's, uh, it is, it's, it's, it was a heartbreaking ride. It was bittersweet. That's, that's the word, I guess. No, I, everybody had a part to play too. It wasn't like nobody got enough real time on the Guardians. Like everybody had a story like Drax and, and uh, Mantis, you know, Peter Quill and Gamora and all these characters, they gave them all like appropriate screen time because it's the last one. So I like that Gunn found that balance where he gave everybody their own thing to do in this movie where you're just kind of watching it and just wanting to see what's next. You know, and, and of course, bring back Stallone as the Captain of the Ravagers. That was great. Mm-hmm. Seeing him come back. Yeah, well, you also I, forgot, had, uh, yeah. I, I forget whatever his name is. He played Lex Luthor in Smallville. You know, he was back as Crystal Axe. You know, oh, there Michael was... Uh, on fire? Yes, Michael, Michael, yes, Michael Myers. <laughs> so, uh, Michael <laughs> Rosenbaum. Um, 
Yeah, you know, the only, I mean, it's not really a spoiler because it's not like they were, like, main characters and anything. You know, the one thing I did notice is that uh, Bing Rames wasn't there. And I know no. in, the, uh, in Guardians 2, he was Vance Astro, which, you know, interestingly, well, I mean, I guess it's possible because, you know, that character's from, like, a future or whatever it is of, like, the Marvel mm-hmm. Universe in which he's, like, like, I don't know, he's a distant relative of, like, the actual Captain America. Which, you know, mm-hmm. when you think about it, you know, Ving Rhames being <laughs> a, a relative of a fucking good old Chris Evans, Steve Rogers, is kind of fun to that think works. about. <laughs> yeah, I'm Groot. And Cosmo is a good dog. I love Cosmo. Yes. Uh, please get more Cosmo. Bad dog. You know what, I, you know, and, and the one thing that I really, really did have to say, I really fucking loved and appreciated all the little things that Gunn threw in there to not only mm-hmm. to not only celebrate what he's done with the Guardians, but he gave so much credit too to the trauma fucking movies and the things that oh, yeah. like that brought him up as well. There are a lot of like horror type of fucking elements that occur in this movie more so than what fucking happened in Doctor Strange and the fucking you know, multiverse of madness and that should have been a horror movie this this <laughs> shit had horror film like built into it in times you know and brute yeah intense body horror that's what I got out of it I was like wow there's a lot of body mm. horror in this movie and it, it just worked on every level you know just the look of high evolutionary Fucking Peter Cole calls him Robocop. Yeah, well, that was definitely felt definitely felt fucking Peter Weller in that one. But you know, like, listen, I have one one like last question. It's one thing, man, and I hope one day maybe that I I get a little bit of light like shown on it. What the fuck was that thing in that cage? What the fuck came crawling out of that like last cage? That like they kind of looked at it and were like, "Eh?" and then it's just like. Squish, squish, waddle, waddled out. It was like, oh, my God, what the fuck did they just unleash? I could not forget. It was just the squishiest, weirdest fucking thing. <laughs> it's like, so I have to go back and watch it again because I want to see it again, just like you, but also to see what that fucking creature was. <laughs> that was like, the most intense <laughs> of the fucking, you know, case 88. This is you know? <laughs> it could have been Toxie. You know, it could have been his trip to trauma. Yeah, well, Lloyd was there. Lloyd was playing poker, and the character even has a name. Um, yeah. Yeah, so so they brought him back from the the first Guardians. You know, there, there was, again, a lot, lot of little things in there, man. It was uh, very very much appreciated. So, it was always good to see how it was. Like I said originally. Fucking hey, man, they need to give him a special already on the Disney Plus network. Man, that's what Disney Plus is made for, man. For Howard the Duck to come back. <laughs> yeah. You're probably rude about it. He is. He's also he, the Even, even Groot uh, here fucking so, agrees with us. Yeah. I'm yeah. Groot. Oh, Groot in that movie. <laughs> even he had a Who lot of time him, to go up. You know, he was fucking fantastic in Guardians 3. Uh, he just had a lot to do. And, but, uh, um, but all right, so you are Dean as well. So, and we're going to be talking about some horror news. What do you got? What are we talking about tonight? I'm Groot. Yes, I'm yes, Dean. we know. All right. Okay. <laughs> all right, all right. Hey, sip it up, monkey. <laughs> all right. Now, 
That was Ghoul, not me. Monkey. That was me, <laughs> motherfucker. Oh, was that, was that, a monkey, was my apologies. Like, yeah. Give it up, Ghoul. <laughs> Wipe your tears away. Oh. You know, speaking of anthropomorphic animals and all kinds of debauchery and stuff, you know what we did enjoy yesterday? Me and Zach, me and Zach's now, you know, a, a legal adult and all of that fun. Um, Is it I illegal adult? to the world of Ralph Bakshi. And uh, we watched Fritzy hmm. Cat, you know, because he does his own, like, little animation and that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, bro. Hell yeah. It is, you know what, man? <laughs> that movie is still really fucking funny. Yeah, yeah. And the shit that, you know, it's what they put in that movie was echoing the time. But then when you sit there mm-hmm. and see the shit, you know, that is going on, and then it's like, you know, just, I, I would love to be in a room with kids these days and watch their reactions to all of um, the slang used in the movie. <laughs> yeah, well, but, um, you know, like the, you know. the, the viewpoints and the, and the way certain cultures are perceived and, and yeah, the satirical yep. view that he put out there for, you know, between Crumb and Bakshi, it was fucking, it really was something, you know, and... Uh, and yeah, yeah, what a what a good time. You know, like I, I was introduced to it at a way, way, way earlier age than I should have. I think the first time I ever watched Fritz the Cat, I was like eight. Um, I was like, I think I was cartoons. <laughs> I was like, ooh, cartoons, but there's like also an orgy going on in a fucking bathtub and, you know, you got the fucking rabbit. Like they're all smoking fucking dope and getting all fucking high and floating around and humping each other and there's titties and all that shit going on. And yeah, I'm like, ooh, cartoon titties. You know, like now nowadays, obviously, you cannot introduce anybody that's not an adult to that fucking film. So, but, but it, it, it was very entertaining to watch. It was, it was very funny. Very cool, man. Just because if anything else, it's just an awesome piece of classic animation for people who appreciate animation for the, the art form that it is. And it's just fucking absolutely <laughs> and smart and smart. You know, like there there is a lot of a lot of fun to be had with it, but there is intelligence built into it as well. Yeah. Nice. Very cool. All right, Dean. Uh, Dean first topic. Please, what are we talking about? Give us the news. Since Zach is making animations. Does he know that in order to be an animator, he has to get inside the animals? Yes. What? He would like okay. some sausage. What? You have to fucking uh, it wasn't that, inside it, the animals. It, you have to it, get inside it wasn't the animals. That ki- it wasn't that kind of movie, Dean. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> but you do have yeah, to get inside <laughs> the animals. You have to get inside of them. <laughs> that comes wow. Out. Anyway, Daddy, uh, since you, like you brought sausage? up... Since you brought up uh, trauma, uh, one thing right. that I did want to share this evening is that uh, Amazon. Yep. Who's got a Who's got a LeBaron? <laughs> yes, uh, Amazon uh, has launched a uh, a partner uh, streaming service with their Prime uh, streamer. Uh, which is called Freebie, which is an, an, a, a free streaming service, an ad-supported uh, free streaming service. Uh, but it was announced yeah, that Troma, Troma partnering with the Renaissance Content Group is going to be putting hundreds of Troma titles onto the Freebie streaming service, uh, including awesome. the entire Toxic Avenger franchise, 
uh, class of Newcomb High, Tromeo and Juliet, um, you know, all of the, the well-known lesser-known stuff, but uh, yeah, know, right. over 100 titles from Trauma going on to the freebie uh, streaming service, which, again, is a free service, a free streaming service, but ad-supported, similar to, like, a Tubi uh, kind of situation. Yeah, Freebie's cool. I watch the X-Files on Freebie. Pretty cool. Not trying to sound like an asshole, but does Troma actually have hundreds of titles? Yep. Fuck yeah. They oh, do, okay. because they're not just... Okay. They don't, it's not just the movies that they made. Like, they're a, a distribution company, so they have their label on a lot of fucking movies. It's not just, like, uh, Toxic okay. Avenger and, and Kabuki Man. So, yeah, like, Graduation Day, and there's a bunch of other titles where it's Troma production releases and stuff like that. So, yeah, they, they literally have libraries worth of movies underneath their label. Rock, Rock and Billy Vampire. Library. <laughs> yep, Redneck Zombies. That's another one I've forgotten. Yeah, that's another Troma uh, post. So, so, yeah, and cool. So stay tuned for that, because they also have Troma Now, which is their own streaming service, which I used to have a membership, too. But then they started charging, and I was like, no, thank you. But, yeah, yeah I keep the shutter. <laughs> yeah, wasn't that his whole All thing right. at the beginning, though? Is that, like, they had the Troma... The trauma streaming service, it was supposed to be free. Everything was free, mm-hmm. and then it was not. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was free for the longest time. It was trauma now. Then all of a sudden, they're like, you know what? We're going to start charging. So that's cool. <laughs> so it was free. I was like, don't get, <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong, though. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, when you have that many titles and all this and that, as long as it's a reasonable price, I understand them charging for it, you know? Like, I, I don't have a problem with it. But what were they charging? Uh, it, was, it was like five bucks. Like, it wasn't expensive, but I was just like, I don't feel like paying that. That's I can just like, watch this movie on YouTube. Oh, yeah, that's, that's not terrible at all, man. No, it wasn't, it wasn't like 20 bucks a month. It was, it was cheap. I just didn't feel like paying for it. I was like, I'm already paying nine ninety nine for, you know, shutters, so... Um, but yeah, so that's cool. Hey, nine ninety nine for Shutter. Where the hell did you sign up for that? I don't know. I think that's what I paid. I don't know. I don't know. They just take it out. Shutter is like when I think when I signed up, it was four ninety nine, and maybe it's five ninety nine now. I think it's five ninety nine. Oh, maybe. Me. All right. Yeah, I don't know that I would pay. I don't know that I would. I, I, mean, I, mean, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe maybe I would pay ten dollars. I don't know. I, I, I feel like. I don't know. Maybe maybe I would. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I, I don't know. Box. But do, but do you know some Dean hard? Doesn't know. <laughs> Dean doesn't know. Dean doesn't know. Dean doesn't know. I do, Monkey, and I just I just shared my first item about uh, the trauma library going onto the Amazon freebie service. So if you've been wanting to watch trauma titles, now you have the opportunity to do so for free. There we go. Good news. All know, right. So as we move on, as we move on, <laughs> uh, you know, this pro- this next property, uh, sequel talk has gone on uh, countless times over the years since uh, going back to all the way to the original film. But there is now an official release date for the sequel to Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice 2, oh. uh, which uh. once again... <laughs> which once again will be directed by Tim Burton and also will feature Michael Keaton returning uh, to play the title character. Uh, we'll also have Winona Ryder returning to play Lydia Dietz and Jenna Ortega will be playing uh, Lydia Dietz's daughter. 
in the new fucking gun. Wow. In addition to all of that, in addition to all of that, Danny Elfman uh, is also returning once again uh, to do the music for the film. So the release date, as I said, uh, is coming on September 6, 2024. Beetlejuice 2, September 6, 2024. All right, so we're finally getting a sequel to Beetlejuice, so hopefully it's good. Yeah, I'm just sad about this. It's like because they've talked about it, you know, this is not the first time they've tried to do this. You know, they've tried to do this several times before, and it never, ever fucking got greenlit until they fucking put Ortega's name on it. And all of a sudden everyone's like, yeah, we should do it. Yeah, and it's like... Man, no, no, I, just, I do want to share. No, I, I do want to share, it. Monkey. This has been this has been in production. Yep. Uh, this was not this was not like oh we got Jenna Ortega now we can do this. Uh, she was added to 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 it once it was already officially in production. Yeah, yes, here's okay. what I would say. My my opinion for this is this. This, which yes, has been in all ter- like all kinds of like development. Like, hey, we're gonna do it. We're gonna do it. We've got ideas. I think the reason why suddenly the trigger gets pulled and this is going on is because of the writer's strike. And there's a few things out there that already have scripts that are written. So guess what? This is something that we can go ahead with, and you know what? Start to get the fucking pre-production rolling, and maybe we can actually make a movie here because we are going to see all kinds of shit getting delayed, okay? So I'll tell you right now, all that fucking Marvel shit that everybody's been excited about, you're going to be waiting real fucking long to watch a lot of those movies. You're going to see all kinds of shit start getting pushed further and further and further out until they start paying their writers and giving them better working conditions that they are asking for. So come to yeah, a fucking yeah. agreement, like, man, because yeah. I got too many movies I want to see. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, I don't know about you guys, you know, but it's just this is giving me major flashbacks to the – the last one where, um, you know, this was also happening when Battlestar Galactica was on TV and Serenity, I'm sorry, uh, mm-hmm. Firefly, you know, and then they just, you know, these shows that were doing so strong, and then they just, you know, went to total shit because of this writer's strike. Well, Firefly, yeah. I mean, yeah. listen, Battlestar Galactica, yes, that, was, that, show was, that show started was very, very strong. Uh, the writer's strike definitely fucked that. Fox fucked Firefly, you know, straight up, man. Yeah. Firefly, they had a definitive order that fucking Joss Whedon gave them. They decided to reorder the episodes how they wanted to fucking put them out there. Um, they fucking put it on Friday nights. You know, what better fucking night to put on, you know, a science fiction type of fucking show than, you know, eh, the, the night where everybody fucking goes out, you know. The, who's yeah, the demographic? The well, that's what X-Files did. O- o- the science fiction nerds are at home. Teams. Oh, we're not at fucking home either, motherfuckers. We go out and nerd together, okay? Yeah. We go smoke pot. That just should have been on like a Tuesday. That should have been a Tuesday night show. You know, I think what? But no, I guess they were fucking in the midst of Buffy world at that point, too. So they were still fucking uh, airing like reruns of that. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's how they figured it out. It was 100 days. Too late. Yeah. Uh, Hopefully uh, the strike ends at some point. I know the last one was like 100 days before they all came to an agreement, so we'll see how long this one lasts. But anybody that wants anything new, just get ready for a lot of reruns. <laughs> and, until they get what they want. Or a lot of really bad fucking movies, because trust me, all the fucking uh, 
you know, all all the, the, the indie fucking guys who aren't, like, fucking, you know, are not uh, union are all crawling out of the woodwork now, you know? They're like fucking, they're like Pokemon, you know? They're just repeating the same word, like, you know, work, 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 work. <laughs> just work, sitting in front of the fucking seat. <laughs> These, these are the same motherfuckers that were f- filling all your Walmart shelves with those horrible, horrible B-movies during the coronavirus. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, somebody posted something recently, and it was like, oh, well, now that this is going on, maybe we can get some real writers out there, and they can, like, really put out some, like, real interesting stuff instead of redoing all these Marvel movies and all these other things that are just constantly being rehashed again and again and again. And I'm like, motherfucker, you made like a semi-okay indie film fucking 15 (laughs) years ago now. You haven't even been able to generate a sequel to that fucking piece of garbage. So you really want to sit there and talk about all, all, all these better writers out there? Let me guess, Hollywood's keeping you down, right? Please now, brother. (laughs) Come on. Keep it quiet, Larry. I speak as not names. A gentleman does not reveal the whore. Okay. <laughs> well then, what was what was the film that hasn't been able to get a sequel? <laughs> nope. No title. <laughs> and, I don't mean, I, and I don't mean the movie. Nope. Was that the movie? Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Jordan. All right. Uh, Send me, send me, send me a text, uh, Google. Um, but yeah, so on on that note about the writer strike, one of the next things I was to say is that the Duffers put out a message and basically said, uh, you know, don't hold your breath on seeing uh, Stranger Things five anytime soon because mm-hmm. uh, production, of course, is officially uh, officially halted. Halted. They said, uh, uh, what did they say? They said something. They said um, uh, they said. Over and out until the strike is over. So that I, is what I don't know about is. you guys, but did like any like I and listen, I don't watch MTV like you know at all. I know it's all fucking reality shows and all that shit. Um, but like you know, like I know they did the uh, the MTV Movie and TV Awards the other day, yeah. and I know initially yep. Drew Barrymore was supposed to host. She pulled out in a mm-hmm. sign of solidarity for all the writers. Literally, really? like the show was was not a, it was not a show. Like I tried to watch it, I huh. could, we could not watch more than an hour of it. They literally just did rehash is of previous like history things that occurred during this awards show, and then when okay. it came time for anybody to get a, an award, they just had them on like Zoom meetings. Like, hey, you know, this is just getting the award. Like, they, they didn't even, like, there was no build-up to it. There was no audience. There was no nothing. There was no show. It was just fucking, so was, like, footage of stuff. That so it was, like, back to corona. So it was, like, back to uh, lockdown. Exactly. Yeah, it, it was basically a pandemic type of show in which, yep, we had no live performances. We had no, no live anything. Damn. Wow. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, I thought it went on as planned. Yeah. So I wonder if that's what's going to happen with the Fangoria Chainsaw Awards on uh, Shudder. So I think that's supposed to happen later this month. They might not have it. Uh, if, it was supposed, if it was supposed to be live, I'm sure they're going to have to alter it to to fit whatever it is for, for the writers, unless they're going to get some scabs, you know? It all depends. No, I mean, they could always tape it. You know, it could have been taped. Who knows? I don't think it was a live live show. I think it was just taped, you know? 
but I don't well, know. Then, then you got to hope it was done before, uh, you know, before now. <laughs> yeah, basically. Unless they already have the material written. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, who knows? But yes, you know, but the problem is, if they want to do it live and have it performed, then I think you run into into problems of whether it was written or not. Who gets paid for the material that gets out there? And because of this whole contractual issue, that becomes like a problem. And that's why shows like oh. the Jimmy Kimmel show, like all those shows, have all been kind of pulled because, like you know, I'm sure I'm sure any of those guys, you know, yes, do they have a fucking whole team of writers that are sitting there pulling and culling shit left and right? Yes, but you would also hope that you know the fucking Jimmy Fallon, the host of his show could sit down in front of a fucking, you know, in back of his desk like he normally does and just spitball because that's what he fucking does for a living. But that's mm-hmm. not how they're going to work it. No. No, I'm getting to how they're going to do it. I don't know. Well, the well, fucking he, show must go on, man. That's out. what I was taught. <laughs> Fuck that shit. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I'm yeah, fine with that name, Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> well, here's an example. Well, you're not going to miss all of them. I'm like eating at the same time. <laughs> Fucking hamburger helper, man. It came out like the, it was, it's a fucking bomb. <laughs> but all right, Dean, continue. What else are we talking about? Let's see. Evil Dead Rise, uh, which, as we know, was supposed to be uh, released strictly to HBO Max, now known as Max, uh, theatrically. Mm-hmm. Uh, has broken the $100 million barrier on a less than $20 million budget. Uh, yeah. Also, what I'm here to say is that the, uh, the, the current Evil Dead film is now available uh, to watch at home on video on demand, with the first 10 minutes being available to stream for free. And oh. if you are a tangible person, the physical media will be available to purchase on June 27th, but Evil Dead Rise is now streaming at home, uh, and you can you can you can watch the first 10 minutes of it for free. Yeah. Awesome! Yeah, I'm definitely buying it when it comes out in physical. You know me and my physicals. Got to get the media, but so I'm definitely picking that up next month. Great movie. Check it out if you can. Very cool. All right, what's next, Dean? Uh, let me let me tell you what's next here birthday boy and what's next is that thank you there is going to be another Blair Witch Project film uh, Lionsgate yeah. uh, has found uh, the filmmaker they want to reignite the franchise Oliver Park who directed 2022's The Offering uh, right now uh, this is being referred to as the untitled Blair Witch uh, film uh, they say they hope to begin filming sometime later this year uh, maybe in the early fall. And even with that being said, uh, Lionsgate uh, has not even officially announced that this project is happening. Hmm. So it's kind of up in the air, like whether or not it's actually official. Hmm. No, I think that it's official, but that like Lionsgate hasn't like <laughs> put out like a release or something. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's so odd it's, because I've been following it a little bit because I, I follow Eduardo Sanchez, who you know, directed the Blair Witch Project, and he's been really quiet about it. Like, he hasn't really said much. And usually he's pretty vocal he about projects. He might not be involved. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking, that he might not even be, like, but I would think that they would want him involved, I mean, because he's, you know, the guy that created the thing. But, 
you know, who knows if that's what they're planning on doing. Um, I know he was involved with Blair Witch, the uh, Adam Wingard movie that came out in 2016, which I liked, a lot of people hated, but then again, I'm a Blair Witch 2 fan, which seems like everybody fucking hates that movie, except for me. I'm the only guy in the world that likes Blair Witch 2. Such a stupid fucking yeah, trash movie. You know, movie. You know the, the, Blair, the Blair Witch projects, the Blair Witch project, I mean, uh, like mm-hmm. was a was a was a special case. It was like really the first movie to effectively use like internet yeah. and and viral uh, you know viral marketing. And mm-hmm. you know it on the on on the heels of that, it was a massive success. Uh, you know, there's there's no way that that they would have been able to duplicate the success of what that no. original Blair Witch Project film was. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I completely agree. There's no way you could capitalize on that and just have to make a sequel that, you know, is kind of uh, in a similar vein, but not exactly the same. Um, Joe Berlinger tried to do it, just didn't work. But, you know, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I kind of bought into it back in the day when that shit was coming out. I'm like, oh, shit. I'd actually be seeing some real fucking stuff shit, you know, about some people going out into the woods. But I, they really uh, capitalized on the Internet. <laughs> now, now, apparently, you have to go I caught wind early of uh, of what it actually was. Um, I forget where, but it was like it might have been on like an AOL like message, like board mm. or like a chat room or whatever. But like whoever it was, like they they pretty much were like, nah, listen, like this isn't and none of it's real. It's all like fully fully filmed. It's all this, which which kind of sucked, you know, because like I had caught wind that it was coming, and then uh, but yeah, I never I never had a chance to. Uh, to, to actually believe in it, believe in any of it being real. Yeah, I I did because I didn't have really the internet like back in the day. Like in '99, I think when the movie came out, I didn't have a computer at my house. I didn't have anything. So I'm seeing this stuff on Sci-Fi. They're like, "Oh, it's a documentary about the Blair Witch and it's real and shit." And I'm like, "Okay, all right, well, it could be." I was like, "Well, they make a movie about it." Like I would think the parents of the victims would probably be like, "I don't think that's a good idea," but <laughs> still, I I bought into it. And plus. They pulled the Cannibal Holocaust, where they had the actors kind of not do any kind of media circuit, where they're like, we're going to keep them out of the spotlight. We're going to hide them, you know, while this movie comes out, so people might actually believe that they're dead. So they they pulled them out to die. What was great too in its in its time, uh, especially because at that kind of dawning age of of the internet, um, you didn't have a a resource at your fingertips that had information about every movie, every made and every detail about it and have websites to go read about these horror movies that maybe you never heard of because, you know, your local video store did not have the best selection or whatnot. And I I remember uh, so much chatter uh, when Blair Witch Project came out about, uh, you know, movie fans thinking how groundbreaking this concept was of, the footage being found, and of course it launched a whole, you know, a, a whole army of, of found footage films, uh coming off its heels, yeah. but that, 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 that so many people were like, this is so groundbreaking because they hadn't heard of Cannibal Holocaust because, like, unless you were reading, like, Fangoria uh, or, like, horror right. movie books in the library or being a nerd and really spending time in your horror section in, in your video store... Uh, you might not have ever even heard of Hannibal Holocaust at that time, you know? So, so many people saw Blair Witch Project and was like, wow, they, like, made it seem like the footage and whatever, and it was like, well, 
it's kind of been done before also. It has been. And a year before <clears throat> the Blair Witch Project came out, in 1998, there was a movie called The Last Broadcast, which was very similar to the Blair Witch Project, where it was about a, three guys that go out into the woods of the Pine Barrens in New Jersey looking for the Jersey Devil. And then they end, one of them ends up disappearing, gets murdered. So it's become this whole thing of a documentary of trying to find out what happened to these people. And I remember back in the day when the Blair Witch Project came out, the people that made the last broadcast were like, hey, we did a fucking first. We made this first. Like, we, you know, we made this found footage movie last year. So on their actual box art in Blockbuster, it would say, the movie that inspired the Blair Witch Project, the last broadcast. Like, they actually repackaged <laughs> all of their VHSs. <laughs> To say that, yeah, no, we did it first, but it's it's a bad movie. Like the last broadcast is just it's bad. <laughs> I saw it way back in like the early two thousands. I'm like, this is not Blair Witch Project. Blair Witch Project is actually good. This movie's pretty just well, bad. Like, you it's know. funny too though, because like the like the dean has said, you know, like it's 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 interesting. It's almost like like I know you say like this whole generation thing like didn't know about these films because maybe they weren't in there you know, in their uh, their video stores and whatnot. But, like, that whole genre, like, not only was it, like, a thing, but it even had, like, a term, like, back then. It was called a snuff film, you know, and snuff films were, like, yeah. they were fucking found footage films, you know. The idea was you were, you were watching something that was really being recorded. Like, you know, like, I guess the Faces found footage death. idea is it got, it <laughs> yeah. got really recorded, but, like, the footage had been lost. But now some fucking, you know, explorational fucking, you know, group of people went out and they, they, found, the, they found the camcorder. And now they're going to reveal <laughs> yeah. to you what you're going to see before you, which is real. We swear to you that it's real. Absolutely 100% real. <laughs> my name, but it's not really real. My name is Dr. Francis It's not really, really real. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, Doc. Yeah. And uh, Snuff, that movie we covered on the show way back in the day. Oh, it's exactly. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that movie again. I, you know what? Listen, I know we covered it at one point. I know that it was really bad, <laughs> but I just forever remember catching the end of that movie as a kid. I was watching it yeah. with my aunt, you know, and, and when he cuts into that fucking chick's belly and like starts pulling out her guts, and I just remember my aunt telling me like, "This is a real, like, this is really, this was real," you know. And the film cuts, it cuts <laughs> to black, and you just hear people talking in like the background, like, "Oh, oh my God, like, like, what are we, what are we supposed to do now?" You know, it was like, like in my head, because like I said, I was like seven, like maybe eight, you know, when I saw that <laughs> shit. I thought that for the fucking life of me, I thought I saw something really happen. I was like, "Holy shit!" I watched somebody's fucking insides get pulled out. <laughs> yeah, it was that effective. And you watch now, I guess, the silliest shit ever. <laughs> but, you know, at the time, impression of age, you would believe it. <laughs> you know? Why they call the it that, you know, That's stupid. <laughs> Charles Manson, Satan. <laughs> God. Just to get through that entire fucking movie, just for that last five-minute sequence. So what you have to do is snuff. You have an entire fucking movie to get through before you get to that last part where it's like, oh, shit. Is that the snuff movie? Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, so Dean, here's the one thing I will say. I mean, I know uh, you had said the whole Evil Dead Rise thing is, like, available for rent or whatever it is. You can actually buy it. uh, It is available for purchase for $25, uh, $24.99 for for, for digital. Okay. I don't think I specified either way. I think I just said it was available for video on demand. I didn't know if it was rental or purchase or or what. Either way, you did it. What's next, Dean? 
Uh, let's see. What is next, King? Let's 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 find out. Oh, please tell us. Uh, uh, the Robert <laughs> England uh, documentary, a Halloween, Hollywood Dreams, the Robert England story, uh, is getting a uh, streaming release on Screenbox on June 6th. And, oh, sorry, Dreams and Nightmares, uh, Hollywood Dreams and Nightmares, the Robert England story. Uh, will be available Very to watch cool. on Screenbox on June 6th, but will also be available for you to purchase on Blu-ray on July 25th. Uh, so well, I'll be looking forward to checking that out, uh, but it's less than a month away. Oh, that sounds cool. Yeah. Awesome. Right. Well, I'm just glad my so Screenbox is getting used. You know, I used it for the movie tonight. <laughs> yeah. I'll be using it to watch that. Holy shit. This whole fucking year <laughs> is going to pay off. Look at you. All right. And how much is Screenbox? By the way, I don't think I think you told me at one point, but I was like, it was like twenty-four. No, it was like twenty-six bucks for the whole year. Oh, okay. Well, I might have to look into that because I know this is like I want to watch that documentary about Robert England, so I might actually have to fucking pull the trigger just through the year. Rip that fucking. You can log into mine. Yeah, yeah. Password is the thing. They had a monthly thing, but. uh, Oh, go ahead. Give us. Yeah, give no, us the king password. loves Dawn of the Dead. I was going to say the king. The king loves Dawn two thousand four. You just have to put, plug that password in. I can't do yeah, that. Yeah, but what's your I email? Fall off. I try to type that in. <laughs> <laughs> and where are the last three, the four digits of your <laughs> social security? <laughs> you know what the last four digits of your social security number? <laughs> oh, okay, so, got that. So I mean, not not to not to interrupt on Dean's you know news or, or anything like that. I would never never want to do oh, anything please, of that by nature. All means. But this never. But, but this does kind of like this does does that. It is actual horror news. I mean, did any of you guys catch the fucking uh, the trailer for for Meg Two? Uh, we're getting a sequel to fucking for, yes. for the Meg. <laughs> yeah, it's a, they're amping up the action, man. Oh, you think? Yeah, that's great that they're amping Meg. up the action. Can they just amp up the fucking violence and the carnage, please? But you know yeah. what? I thought about that. I thought about that, and that, here's the problem with the fight: you can't really do it with these sharks because they're too big. You know, when you have a shark that big, right? Like, okay, like a great white. It's a really big shark. But when it goes to eat a human being, it does have to like chomp down on a human. It's gonna fucking you know chew them up, rip them to shreds, all that mm-hmm. shit, and fucking like eat them. These sharks are so big, they're gonna swallow. They're fucking. They can swallow a boat. So, you know what I mean? Like, it can swallow a human whole. It doesn't need to chew a person. That's kind of the nope. problem with making a movie like this where the sharks are so fucking big, which explains why they're going the direction it looks like they're going, which is pretty much borderline fucking absurd. Okay, because I'm pretty sure I saw a giant busted octopi in the trailer. There's a Tyrannosaurus yep. Rex in there, so we're going to get the yep. Jurassic Park action. And I swear to God, mm-hmm. I think Jason Statham is riding a fucking wave on a, on a, on a, a jet ski as he's about to, like, yes, jump is. off and throw <laughs> yeah. a spear or some shit. That happened. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I know. It, it was looks insane. brilliant. It's yeah. So we're like going the Meg and the Furious, huh? But so the Meg to the trench. So obviously they're going into a trench where fucking T Rexes are and fucking big ass octopuses, multiple Megs. Like yeah, they're. It's just like they didn't say no to anything, which I love for a sequel. It's like, 
What do you want to do? Let's do and I'm sure, <laughs> and I'm sure it's still going to be PG-13. You know, it's funny. Actually, and maybe it's because they were announcing the trailer or whatever, but they actually had this running on. They had the Meg running on TV the other day. Now, I own it. I haven't watched it since, like, I don't know, the first time I ever watched it. I don't think I've ever put it on again since. Um, but, like, I actually sat down. It was, it's like one of those. I own it. I'll never watch it. But, oh, hey, look what's on TBS right now. Oh, I'm going to watch the thing, you know? And it's like, what the fuck? What the fuck? And I'm sitting there through commercials, no less. Like, I'm sitting through commercials. I'm like, I don't even need to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, and you know what? Like, I, I, knowing what I know now with the film, like, I know what I'm, I'm going to get out of it. I know what level of violence it's going to be. I found myself enjoying the movie a lot more than I did the first go-round. Yeah. You need a second viewing of the bank to really enjoy it, because that's all the first time I'm like, this movie sucks. It's not good. It's a missed opportunity. But, yeah, I saw it a second time when it was on TV, just like you. And I'm like, you know what? This movie actually isn't that bad. <laughs> you know, sometimes you need that second viewing to be like, you know what? It's, I was too harsh the first time. You know, I need to go back and see it. Because um, there's that other movie that I want to see if I can go see eventually with Josh Lucas called The Black Demon. And it's supposed to be another It's already out of theaters, bro. It, it Is was, it? Like, oh. it, it, was, it, it was in theaters. It was like a week ago. I was, I was looking at it. I was checking all the time. It was in yeah. one movie theater in this area. <laughs> I think it was the it was in either yeah. Monmouth Mall or up in New Brunswick. Showtime, one showing at like nine thirty at night. <laughs> I'm like, really? like, what the fuck? Like, you can't put this on like you know in a couple screens, like maybe two or three showings. Like, like don't get me wrong, I understand that the Mario movie is like the popular movie at the moment. But, you know, all these other films have been out for fucking weeks now. You can't give me, like, two or three showings of fucking a new shark movie? That's insane. Yeah, because Regal, the app, was announcing it. They're like, Black Demon coming out. Get your tickets. And I was like, oh, maybe I'll go see that on the weekend. I'm not seeing another movie, but it's already out. So, oh, well, I'll have to wait till it comes out in digital. <laughs> that sucks. I'm yeah, hoping to use one like again, that. like, yeah. it, it came and went. It came, because it wasn't in any theaters anymore the last time I checked. But that might be AMC, so maybe Regal, maybe Regal has them. So you may want to check yeah, that. No, it, check you're right. Yeah, no, you're right. I have been hearing about this one, too, and I think at some point I had seen the trailer. I'm look, I just looked up real quick. I'm seeing the, seeing the, uh, the release date was April 18th, um, 2023. Uh, it was directed by... Uh, Adrian Grunberg, who directed uh, the, the, the final or the previous uh, Rambo film. But I had seen uh, the trailer for this Black Demon and had just seen a blurb about it somewhere. I, I also did not know uh, that it had been uh, released. That, uh, yeah, that's a no fake movie. Man. Based Studio on a Mexican no legend. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was actually looking forward to seeing it, but yeah, apparently it's gone. That's all right. I just want to say, from, what I, from the numbers I can find right now, I don't know what the budget of this thing is, but from right now I can see that the global gross was $213,929. Well, because nobody oh knew God. it came out. It would help if you fucking let people know that it came out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just looked at my Regal app and it's not there. No. <laughs> I was hoping to go see a movie this weekend, but I guess I won't. Yeah, it's all right. Yeah, maybe I'll go see the George Foreman movie. That looked good. <clears throat> but, all right, if, so if, if I remember correctly, what, Mar- Mario was April 5th, 
So yeah. that was three weeks. Out. That was three, four weeks past. I mean, the movie came out at like what would be conceivably like the perfect time. It's the week after the release of Evil Dead Rise. I'm showing release date was uh, April 28th. So that movie would have come out the week after Evil Dead Rise. You can't tell me that wasn't if they would have promoted the fucking movie, people would have went. So like, at no point at any AMC that I went to did I see a trailer. And like, the only reason I knew it existed was because I saw it on the app. And like I said, there was one fucking showtime in one fucking theater out of the five theaters I have around me that are within the 20 minute (laughs) fucking drive time. And it was a late showing every fucking night. That sucks. Yeah, I was really hoping <laughs> to see that, but uh, sucks. That's what I feel like it just came out, and then it's gone. Obviously, it didn't make enough money, but all right, Dean. What else are we talking about? The Texas Chainsaw Massacre video game, uh, which we know is coming August 18th, has announced that they're planning to start doing technical tests later this month, and that fans will be invited to participate in this testing. So, if you would like to participate in the technical test, you can get on the wish list on the Texas Chainsaw Massacre game Steam uh, channel where you potentially can get an invite and there will be invites for all of the different platforms. Uh, they will be looking uh, to test the technical specs uh, in order to check for quality uh, on a variety of machines. They want to see how the game handles the player base, the servers, the gameplay, the ins and outs, the et cetera, the et cetera. So, uh, if you are uh, a gamer and, and want to have the opportunity to participate in this, you just have to go to the Texas Chainsaw Master video game uh, Steam page uh, where you can sign up to potentially get an invite. Invitations are not guaranteed, uh, but, uh, but that is how you can throw your hat in the ring uh, to, to be able to participate. Awesome. Very cool. All right. All right. So what else is next? All right. Uh, you know, I feel like we had so much conversation around this next mm-hmm. property uh, a couple of years back, and then crickets, nothing, silence. Uh, but I have learned that we are uh, less than two weeks away from the the max debut of Gremlins: <clears throat> Secrets of the Mogwai uh, animated series uh, that is Yay. going to be released on <laughs> May twenty third. Uh, there's going to be uh, half hour episodes. Uh, from Warner Brothers uh, Animation and Amblin TV. Uh, This animated series is going to be set in 1920s Shanghai and features uh, voice work from uh, Asian cinema legend James Hong, uh, as well as Yi Wong. So, um, Gremlin's Secrets of the Mogwai. And there is a trailer out there now also, I believe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, second one. Yeah, we talked about it. I think it was one of the... the... Weeks that you were off. Fine. Catch up, man. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta listen up. Uh, you ready to wrap this shit up so we can talk about the King's birthday pick, man? Uh, I'm getting close. I'm getting close. I can, I can probably trim. I can probably trim yeah, a couple yeah, of items here. Uh, so, anyway... Uh, one thing that I find here to be quite interesting, although I know I never see it because of location. I'm a fan of 2007's uh, kind of horror comedy called Teeth um, about a yeah, girl yeah. who <laughs> has a has a chompy set of teeth. And 
That's hot. Yeah. <laughs> I have learned that there is a stage musical in the works from Pulitzer Prize and Tony Award winning playwright. Um, and I unfortunately uh, cannot read his name as I wrote it on my paper, but uh, he is uh, has written the script for adaptation to stage for an off-Broadway show next year uh, to be directed by stage director Sarah Benson. So there is going to be an off-Broadway stage musical of Keith. That's going to be interesting. It's a fun movie, That's though. Funny. <laughs> it is Remember a fun movie. Batman. I like that one. It, it's a lot of fun. I like Keith a lot. All right, so a musical, maybe. Who knows? And all right, what else, dude? I love musicals. Um, now, uh, we know Go that on, one of the king, one of the king of horrors picks uh, sometime back uh, earlier, uh, maybe sometime towards the end of last year, was uh, Monkey Shines, an experiment in fear. Yeah. And... Uh, I'm sure that I said uh, around the time that we covered that film uh, that I had been confused and thought that was like the monkey uh, with the symbols from Stephen King's skeleton crew, uh, cause I, and, and, and I was wrong. Uh, but what I have learned is that James Wan's uh, Atomic Monster Studio is producing a feature of Stephen King's The Monkey, uh, from 1985's Skeleton Crew, uh, Theo James, uh, who recently appeared on White Lotus, will lead the cast, and Osgood Perkins will be directing as well as writing the screenplay. So uh, the monkey from Stephen King's Skeleton Crew, uh, as to which I'm longingly, I'm not longingly, I'm lovingly uh, looking at my first printing edition with Dust Jacket edition of Skeleton Crew on my bookshelf right now. Uh, the monkey will be adapted uh, for for feature film. All right, and Osgood Perkins, great director, son of the late Anthony Perkins, the Black Coat's daughter, fantastic movie. If you want to see what he can do, but all right, uh, is that it, Dean, or do you have something else? Uh, go go ahead, King. It's your birthday, and I don't want to bog us down with some of this other nonsense that I have. So I want to I want to turn it's it over nice. to you. I want to I want to light the candles. I want to set the mood. Um, I want you to, to revel in, in your pick that you have provided for us this evening uh, to, to celebrate your birthday with. Excellent. Thank you so much. So, yes, we're going to be talking about The House on the Edge of the Park uh, from 1980, released in 1985 in the USA, directed by the late Ruggiero Diodato. The film follows two low-life punks who invite themselves to a party at a posh villa after being taunted by their snobbish hosts they decide to hold everyone hostage and subject them to various forms of torture and mayhem. Uh, I wanted to just pick something for my birthday that's sleazy, that's a little dirty. Uh, Italian sleaze, especially in the 80s, is always good. Um, Ruggiero Diodato, obviously, of Cannibal Holocaust fame. And then you have David A. Hess, who played Krug in The Last House on the Left, um, playing Alex in this movie. Uh, he's just relentless. He's sadistic but then he also has some kind of charm. And that's why I always say that David A. has is kind of like the king of sleeves because he is a fucking sadistic motherfucker. But yet at the same time, you're kind of like, I kind of like him a little bit. <laughs> he just has a certain charm that he brought to Krug and a certain charm that he brought to Alex. And of course, um, Giovanni Lombardo Radice, who plays Ricky in the movie, he passed away just recently. So that was another reason why I wanted to pick this movie to talk about for my birthday. So that being said, Ghoul, what do you think about the house on the edge of the park? 
All right, so so this is the first time for me, um, and and as you know me, like I, I do like and love these these sleazy types, you know the the, the 1970s were were and early 80s were rife with the New York movie scene, you know you had films like this, you had films like Taxi Driver, you had all all these movies being made in this area, you know it was this this bustling fucking center of, of, of filmmaking, you know, and it had a totally different style and, 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 and everything than what you were getting in the Hollywood L.A. scene. It's what made the fucking New York movies New York films. It really shows the difference between the East and the West, um, you know, as, as tax breaks changed and, and other things kind of faded out. You know, they, they really stopped making movies in New York. and A, a lot of New York-based films, like Friday the 13th Part 8, you know, are filmed in, like, Canada and, and shit <laughs> like that. You know, they started finding other areas to make pretend versions of New York. Um, but, like, you, you can't recreate that, just like you can't recreate movies like this. You know, like we saw this with Last House on the Left. Um, like, look, did I like this movie? Uh, I, I, eh. you know what I mean? For the most part, I felt like this, this film was like, like, I'm like, put it this way. I'm not into edging. Okay. I like my cock being played with and I want to blow my load. I want to come. You know what I mean? I don't want to be fucking like teased. I don't want to fucking take my time. I don't want to be waiting five fucking hours with a swollen pair of balls and not have deposited my big sticky fucking load somewhere. And that's kind of what this movie made me feel like. This movie made me feel like I was being edged the entire time. I kept waiting for something to happen. Like, okay, this is it. This is it. It's Oh, he's going to... No. Oh, all right, now. No. Um... You know, but to, to kind of make matters worse, I kind of guessed what was going on in the movie early, mm-hmm. um, just because it, like, I don't yeah. know, it just had that vibe. Now, don't get me wrong, did I enjoy what I, what I, I, I watched with the film? Yes, because it's got that dirty fucking porn type of, like, thing going on. Hess saves the entire production. You know, everything about Alex is, 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 like you said, he is sleazy. He's a scumbag. He's a piece of garbage. And yet, you kind of, we, we've all had a friend like this. You know, we've all had, like, a, like I, I, I've kind of been <laughs> like that to a degree. But I, I can think of other people I know who are definitely the David Hesses of, like, our groups back in the day. And it's like... Yeah, you know, like, maybe they didn't fucking rape and murder chicks, but, man, they would do some fucked up shit, and yet somehow, like, the chicks would end up liking it, you know? They would resist for, like, the first, like, three hours, but then, like, you know, three and a half hours later, they'd be, like, talking about how they're in love with the fucking guy, and you'd be like, wait a minute, you know? Like, he was, okay, whatever, you fucking weird lady. Um, So, 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 yeah, (laughs) there were definitely a lot of enjoyable things that I found within this movie if I didn't quite like the movie itself. Um, so, so thank you, King, because here, here we have a, an exploitation type of film that I had yet to see. So, so I do appreciate that. Excellent. I'm glad for that. All right, so Dean, what did you think about The House on the Edge of the Park? Similarly but different. I also like these kind of bare, real, um, like sleazy uh, kind of films. 
what I did not know, and, and David Hess, of course, is a David has a, a very interesting uh, actor, <laughs> for sure. But what I did not know, and you said this during your introduction, is that this film was released in the United States in 1985? Yep. Mm-hmm. That's very Especially interesting to me. That's very interesting to me. And my next question before I give my thoughts on that for you, King, is do you know by chance, and I don't mean like how it did box office-wise, but do you know <laughs> upon its release in the United States in 1985, like what, what the reception was for it? Uh, it, was, it was kind of one of those 42nd Street movies where it found distribution. They released it on 42nd Street in small theaters. was kind of okay. in and out of theaters. theaters. In the U.K., it was Yeah, video yeah, yeah. So this was kind of like shown in, in X-rated porn theaters. All right, because like yep. mm-hmm. this one, uh, while, while from 1980, released in the United States in 1985, um, this does this film it does it does not feel like like 1985 definitely doesn't no. feel like 1985 and 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 to another degree doesn't oh yeah okay he dropped it doesn't okay. feel like <laughs> how about it doesn't feel like <laughs> 1980 is what I'm what I'm gonna venture is what he was gonna say but that's probably Possibly. because it so- has that like. I'm in 1980, and it's still – it's like almost like Friday yeah. the 13th, the first movie. You know what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. it still has that late 70s feel to it more than it being yeah. an 80s movie. Mm-hmm. All right, so while he's gone and comes back, Monkey, what did you think about The House on the Edge of the Park? Okay, yeah, like everyone else, this is my first time checking this out. Uh, always excited when you expose me to some new kind of Italian films just because – you know, I I really enjoy their take on horror. I I really enjoy their take on gore, um, which is why I was really thrown off that this movie really didn't have that. It's like you no. know, this is your birthday pick. You want to go all into it and stuff, and it just seems like it didn't really deliver on like you know a, any blood or gore. Really, it's like you know. No, no, no real effects there. It's like, you know, like, like the goal was saying earlier, it's like, you know, we kept teasing about, you know, we're going to see some stuff get cut up or this, you know, or some damage done here or there. And like for all the disturbing things that we saw, it it almost seemed like the movie was afraid to go there. It's like because I, I had read about the director was trying to be super raunchy in this movie. Thing really, really dirty, but at the same time, while watching this entire thing, it's. I also didn't feel like it, you know, it didn't go there. I've, I've, like, I, I, you know, for this entire movie, it's like I kept thinking, you know, it's like the, the, the house scene in A Clockwork Orange pushed the envelope harder than this entire movie did. And, uh, like, you know, if we're going to go there, I. I wanted to see what this director was going to do. I wanted to be made to feel uncomfortable just because when we were going to be seeing all of these scenes of rape and all that kind of stuff, you know, what was going to be leading to rape, I was like, oh man, this is going to be a really fucked up movie because we all know how I feel about those kind of movies, you know, uh, which is why I picked that spit on your grave is because I wanted to see something fucked up. And this one just didn't seem to deliver. 
And I was like, I got myself worked up to, you know, thinking we were going to do some really nasty, nasty shit. And it just never fucking happened. Um, and David Hess, at the beginning of the movie, I really, really enjoyed his character when he was just being this <laughs> weird ass over the top dude. You know, he just looks a boogie. You know, I was I was enjoying all of that <laughs> shit. I don't know if that was actually him or if that was ADR. Um, it was him. Do you know if that was actually that was actually him? Yep, it was him. Ricky was ADR. Oh, okay, cool. David okay. Yeah, that was um, actually, yeah, because. It's, yeah, <laughs> and then when we have what? the twist at the end, I, I was just thrown off by the twist because it's like, how did we have the twist? Because uh, I was like confused. Did I miss something where we had some witnesses or some police reports to where this incident that happened and no one saw it, and now this entire crew has planned this stuff? How how did they know? How did they know it was no? They didn't see the necklace. They didn't see the necklace till they picked them up in the garage. (laughs) They knew it was him because of the necklace. Like they, they knew. Like they might have. Well, we'll get into it. But they might have doubts. But like once he puts on that necklace to go out, like that's our first time seeing them interact with them. That doesn't mean that's their first time interacting with them. Yeah, because it didn't happen a while ago. It wasn't like it happened the other day. Like they had time to do this. So, but we'll we'll get into it. but uh, Dean, okay. we're back. Uh, finish up your thought. I am. I am back. Uh, but yeah, that's what I was saying. Mm. Like, uh, I believe uh, where I was getting cut off, I was just saying like, it, it was kind of striking to me to hear 1985 when when watching this particular film uh, because this does not seem at all like 1985. Um, but with that yeah. being said, um, like I did say as well, David Hess is a, a, a very <laughs> unique actor um you know the film itself i feel you know at times like pacing uh was an issue uh but you know this is just like a sleazy like effective sleazy exploitation kind of film it was not over the top in its um in its gore but like it does that thing that exploitation flicks do sometimes where uh even in uh some of the sequences where uh hess is raping or sexually abusing uh, especially the one I can't remember the name of the character that he took upstairs, where uh, there was indications that that she was enjoying it. Um, you know, similar to what Peckinpah Annie, Annie did. Uh, s- similar to what Peckinpah did uh, with the rape sequence <laughs> in Straw Dogs, Straw Dogs. Um, yeah. which is always uh, you know like an interesting juxtaposition of sex and violence and control uh, and 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 struggles or situations between men and women. Um, I did not, uh, you know, pick up on, um, you know, the purpose of this party, um, but I'm curious to see uh, our, how our discussion unfolds as we as we talk about the rest of, of, of what went on in this one. So, you know, uh, I'm glad that I watched it. Uh, you know, I, I've, I've heard of this one before. I didn't know what it was mm-hmm. about. Um, I don't know that in this day and age it would be something that I, was, I would have seeked out on my own. Uh, to watch, so I'm I'm glad to have Shout the opportunity out. to watch it. Um, so like whatever. Um, I uh, <laughs> I I don't know. 
I, I don't know that this is something that I would, you know, choose to, to watch again, but I, I'm glad that I did have the opportunity to see it um, and now have it on my checked off list. Awesome. Great. Uh, all right. So the movie starts in New York City with Alex, played by David Hess, cruising around to a childlike song called Sweetly. Probably doesn't belong in this movie, but they do play it. We also see a short-haired blonde woman driving along as Alex starts honking at her. This is actually played by his wife at the time, Carolyn Marbeck. She's like, what is he doing? What does he want? So does he find a cute way to get her number? Nope. He swerves in front of the car and forces her to stop. He saw her earlier at the discotheque, and now he's just going to go ahead and rape her. During the assault, he steals her necklace and then strangles her to death as he comes. So later, you see Alex is putting on the stolen necklace as his friend Ricky shows up, ready to head out for the night and party. He's really cooking tonight. <laughs> so that's when Alex decides to don his best yellow vest and jacket so he can truly shine out for the chicks. As we see a young couple, Tom and Lisa, are driving through the city. They're heading to a party in New Jersey, but first need to stop at a garage that Alex just so happens to work at. Tom tells Alex that something electrical is wrong with his car. Alex tells him, well, you know, that could take about four hours to fix, and I'm heading out to Boogie. So Tom says, well, I'll give you 20 bucks. I'm really in a hurry. So then Tom answers up the Andy, and he offers 40. So Alex tells him he'll give him a DUI handbook, and he could just fix the car himself so Alex can go out. And the man gives him $40, but he says, you can just run a limo for that. DIY, so, DIY not DUI. DIY, not DUI. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I want to give I, you the I, DUI handbook. It comes, it comes with a bottle of whiskey. Here you go. <laughs> Careful out there, anyway, kids. <laughs> so Ricky decides to look at the car, and Lisa seems a little worried, which draws Alex's attention. She tells him that they're going to a party at a cottage owned by one of Tom's friends. Ricky fixes the loose alternator, and it's suddenly too late to go boogieing, so Alex finds a way to invite himself and Ricky to the party. Tom's a little apprehensive about Ricky, but Alex tells him it's no big deal. He's cool. You know, he, he's a friend, and he can come too. So Alex Does decides to go run a little back bit into like, the po- like, like, you know, like t- Ted Raimi's twin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Alex runs back inside the so, office so. and grabs a straight razor for the locker. Yes, go ahead. So this is like, for me, like this is my first inkling that whatever's going on here is plotted. You know, like, A, yes. they, yep. they accept him and Ricky joining way too easily. Like, and not mm-hmm. only that, there was, like, a weird little thing of dialogue between Alex and Tom that almost felt like they knew each other. And I don't know mm-hmm. if it was, like, how it was cut, how it was edited, but it almost seemed like, oh, it was when Tom asked, it, oh, oh, do we really need to bring Ricky along? And yeah. it kind of mm-hmm. made me feel like, oh, like for a second I was like, oh, maybe these guys actually know each other. And this is all just like playful banter between a group of friends. And like, you know, like I know that David Hess and Ricky are going to be fucked up. Obviously I saw, you know, what David Hess has done earlier. I do wish that somewhere in this sequence we would have gotten some inkling of how much time had passed between the earlier rape and murder scene versus now, because when they cut to it being in the garage and him putting on the necklace, I don't know, did this happen yesterday or, you know, or as we're going to find out later on, did this happen a longer period of time ago? A year ago. So yeah, it happened a while. Uh, well, no, I know, um, I know that. I wasn't going to yeah, yeah, because I was waiting for you to get there. <laughs> <laughs> yes, monkey. What? Uh, no, I was laughing. 
Yeah. Oh, okay. So the four head across the bridge in New Jersey where we see the party has begun, hosted by the, ho- the house's owner, Gloria, along with her friends Glenda and Howard. Alex urges Ricky to show them how well he can dance, and Glenda and Gloria begin dancing with Ricky, and all the while he's like, look how good I can dance, and everybody seems to be having fun. They're cheering Ricky on. But soon Alex realizes that they're just making fun of Ricky as he dances, so he decides to grab a drink. Really, Ricky then ends up really getting into it and begins to strip, and Alex walks over to him saying, they're messing with you. They're making you look like an asshole. So Alex tries to get him to stop dancing, but Ricky thinks they're really into it, and he's like, let's let me dance. Like, they're having a good time. So we Just let me take my clothes Alex. off. <laughs> I want to get my groove on. He wants the boogie. <laughs> so Lisa tells yeah. Alex he's having fun. Let him enjoy himself. So like, Lisa yeah, tells it's Alex like where, nearby where, couch. Where's the cast of Fright Night for this, for this dance party? <laughs> yeah. So Lisa tells Alex that he's just having fun. Let him enjoy himself. She pulls Alex to a nearby couch to watch Ricky dance, and she even lets Alex touch her a little bit with a tease. As Alex falls to the floor, the music stops, and Lisa invites Alex into the kitchen as Tom and the others begin getting Ricky to drink some alcohol. They then invite him to play a game of poker as Gloria decides she's not going to play. She's going to hold back. Alex finds Lisa in the kitchen where he puts her onto the counter, and she allows him to touch her body, but before he can get too far, she pushes him away and tells him, after you're done fucking feeding your face, why don't you come up and, you know, see me in the shower? So he decides, I'm going to grab a little piece of pie. Yeah. <laughs> Mixed mix signals, man. Mixed signals. Yep. Yeah. So Alex checks in on Ricky, who seems to be handling himself well at poker. Alex then heads up upstairs to find Lisa, just as we see Ricky lose the game. Up in the bedroom, Alex strips off his clothes as he watches Lisa get all soapy in the shower. She hands him a sponge so he can wash her body. He then positions himself on one side of the glass shower and begins using the sponge while kissing the glass right where her nipples are on the other side. She invites him in, and she begins watching him, but then she quickly rebukes him and leaves. He's totally kissing a giant (laughs) bush, man. And that is definitely something that's late 70s, (laughs) early 80s, Europe. Because, holy shit, are these muffs gigantic. Yeah. Yeah, there's no cleaning up going on with these bushes. She tells him, after she rebukes him, you know, why don't you go play with yourself, King Kong, and then leaves. So meanwhile, Ricky continues to lose at poker. Alex returns, and Ricky asks to borrow 20 bucks. He takes a look at Ricky's cards and gives him the 20. Ricky then loses to Tom, and Ricky says, I'm clean, I'm broke. But Alex hands him a $100 bill and tells him to be careful, they're cheating. Alex demands Tom deal the cards where he could see them, but Howard jumps up along with Tom, and they try to attack Alex. Howard gets punched, and he says, oh, this guy's got the balls. So Howard trying to fight back, he's no match for Alex. Tom tries to fight, but Alex overpowers him too. It's so fucking funny to watch this kid try and actually fight. You can tell he's never fucking been in a fight before. I had no. <laughs> At all. Yeah, so, I, I Howard grabs the wait for him to like just grab his fist and start hitting himself with his own head. Just be like, stop hitting yourself. Stop hitting yourself. <laughs> yep. So Howard grabs a bottle of wine as a weapon just as Alex reveals his straight razor and forces Tom back into his seat at the poker table. Alex scolds Ricky for letting them make him look like an asshole and how Lisa plays the get me, get me now game. You know, you like me, then you don't like me, but whatever. And then Howard tries to beat up on Alex. He tells Ricky, they set up this poker game. They just, they're just cheaters. And Ricky is impressed at how quickly Alex can figure everything out. He's like, you're a genius, man. You just know everything. And he's like, yeah, huh? I know everything. 
so the poker game starts fresh <laughs> with Alex watching and Ricky wins because there's no longer being cheated. With his win in hand, Ricky thinks they should go blow the money, but Alex tells him the best is yet to come. Time to have some fun with these cunts. Alex then pulls down Glenda's dress, exposing her breasts. He tells Ricky to pick whatever woman he wants, so he picks Gloria, and Alex tells him to go have some fun. Ricky wants to take her to the bedroom so he can show how much of a good woman he is. Takes the most, Alex says, fuck her from all of us. boring one. (laughs) (laughs) So, of course, Alex... He was the waspiest wasp out of the entire wasp party. (laughs) He doesn't want him to take Gloria upstairs. Monkey wants Glenda, the fucking, you know, the Dora Milaje from fucking Black Panther. Man, she was fucking uh, hot. Marie-Claude Joseph played Glenda. She was actually somebody that uh, uh, Rodero Diodato was fucking because he met her in a hotel. So he's like, hey, if you let me keep fucking, I'll put you in a movie. So she only has one credit to her name in this movie. Because after that, you know, he started getting serious with another girl that he was with. So, good job. Well, yeah, because he put her in this movie, and he was, and then he was actually fucking another woman on the side. Yep. So, From Campbell Hawk. Yeah, a couple chicks going on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah. So yeah. <laughs> go, go you him. are quite right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. She looks like Grace Jones, but she's not. <laughs> anyway, uh, she did Tom not look like Grace her. Jones. <laughs> wow! No, I thought so. Hey, oh, no, she definitely did not look like Grace Jones. <laughs> hey, listen, that, that was my thought. But anyway, so Howard and Tom try to overpower Alex, and he grabs a straight razor, but they fail. Alex drags the blade across Tom's cheek and then beats the fuck out of Howard. No one gets in Alex's way. Handing the razor to Ricky, Alex tells Ricky to watch the guests as he shoves Howard into the in-ground pool outside and then takes a piss on him all the while laughing the entire time. Alex then drags Howard out of the pool and back into the house, and he begins tying up Howard because he's the only one with balls in the entire house, as Ricky shuts and locks all the windows and windows, and doors and windows, shutting off a few lights along the way. Once this is done, Alex sits on the floor and tells him, now, let's have a party. And in that instant, Alex chases after Gloria, pushing her down onto a large cushion, urging Ricky to show her what he can do. Gloria fights off Ricky and begins slapping him as Alex grabs his straight razor and presses it to his throat. She then allows Ricky to climb on top of her, and while he's into it at first, he then realizes he can't do it. He can see she's afraid and doesn't want to rape her, and he just he can't perform. So Alex is like, oh, you know, Ricky, I'm so disappointed in you, man. Like, do I have to show you how it's done? Do I have to show you how to do it? See, and again, no. here, here we, we're going to sit there, and he's like, you know, I was thinking he's going to push him aside, and then we're going to start seeing some stuff. No, because again, you know, yeah. he stops. Nope. He's toying with him. So he's, he, he, Alex is having fun at this point. So he decides he's going to have to show him how it's done. So he grabs Lisa by the hair and pushes her down, and she's like, hmm, I could be into this. So just so she could be down the clown, she gets to her knees and begins to undo his pants, but just as she's about to do the act of sucking his dick, Alec pushes her away in disgust. She likes it! Fucking disgusting. So he pushes her so away. Alex is no dummy he, is what it is, man. And yep, like you said, he's gonna playing with him. You know what I mean? Like, come on. You, you, you're not going to... Like, I, I never understand that, that... And again, obviously, listen, I've never, you know, 
I've never partaken in, you know, the, the act of actual rape, you know, like I'm into CNT right. play, mm-hmm. which is, you know, consensual, non-consensual type of deal. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's fun play. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the, the, the idea of like some, like it's, to me, it baffles me how anybody could ever force oral upon somebody because you have a person you know, a, a man in the most vulnerable possible position imaginable. Yep. Um, so, I mean, mm-hmm. barring the guy having, like, an actual, like, a, a gun or, like, a, a, a weapon of that nature, like, I just don't understand how you don't, like, I don't know, how you just don't fight back at that point, you know? There doesn't seem any, any reason why you, you wouldn't. Um, but, again, obviously, I'm not a female. I've never been in that position, and, uh, and yeah, is is what it is. Well, yeah, exactly when we brought it up on the boys, you know, and they say, you know, anytime a guy tries to make you suck his dick, bite it right the fuck off. <laughs> mm-hmm. So Tom nods to Glenda, who runs into a room and cuts off the lights. Alex goes in search of her, but ends up returning to the other guests with her. He grabs Tom and pushes him to the floor as he breaks a bottle of booze and hands it to Ricky to use as a weapon. He tells Ricky to keep an eye on him, and then he goes in search of Glenda, who's still in the dark. Alex sees Glenda going for the door to escape and confronts her. He kisses her on the lips and the nose before pulling down her dress, exposing her breasts. As we see Gloria inching towards a nearby phone, after aggressively grabbing her breasts, which is Glenda, he decides to drag her back in the room. So he's looking for a little bit of chocolate, doesn't get it, so he decides to bring her back. And Tom throws a Which chair we at don't, the table. We don't see her shit. We see her tits. That's it. We don't get to see anything else. You know, because yeah. no, the director was all so, about showing everybody else's pussy. But no, don't show that. Uh-uh. Nope, that's mine. Yeah. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll show a little bit, but that. not everything. Well, <laughs> hers might have been shaved, too. So, you know, so you kind of run into, like, good. that weird, like, how much, you know, how, how what kind of radio are you going to get if you're showing one that's not covered by hair? Mm-hmm. So Tom throws a chair through a glass table to distract Alex so Gloria can get to the phone and call the police. And then he ends up getting his face smashed into the poker table by Alex repeatedly. Gloria gets through the police, but Alex stops the call and then taunts her and with a little Miss Tuffet rhyme and throws her onto the couch just as Lisa runs upstairs. Alex gives chase and tells Ricky to keep everybody under control. He'll be right back. Lisa attempts to escape, but is captured by Alex, who slaps her around a little bit and then demands that she strip as he begins taking off his clothes. Once naked, he places her onto a nearby bed, and they have sex. And this is not necessarily what you consider rape because it seems like it's a little consensual. It seems like she's a little bit into it. Um, David Hess was, in, was talking to Giovanni Lombardo Verdice about it, and he said during this scene they actually did have sex. And Giovanni's like, he did. He didn't actually have sex with her. Like, it's in the movie. He's like, no, totally nailed it, bro. But it's, it's a weird scene <laughs> where it seems like he's raping her, but then at the same time, she seems to be into it. Um, and downstairs, Gloria checks to see how Aren't Tom is doing. Man? So Glenda is told to turn on the lights by Ricky as we see Lisa and Alex once again return after having sex, which she calls him disgusting. He's like, that wasn't so bad, right? She's like, disgusting. Well, he did it. <laughs> but, you know, it was just to placate Alex. Um, so once they return downstairs, Lisa shows no fear in front of Alex, who seems to enjoy her acting tough. 
He then gets the idea to have her hook up with one of the women at the party, so she decides to go with Glenda, or as Alex inappropriately calls her, Roots. Which I'm like, oh, 1980. <laughs> oh, yeah, I caught that. Katie's like, getting away with that now. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, I, just, I just love the line. Like, yeah, that's a, not a good line you can get away with now. But So Lisa begins lightly kissing Glenda as Tom begins to look upset. And Alex tells Tom to put on some sexy music, but Tom goes for a drawer instead. Alex sees what's happening, and he's like, nope, you're going to get back here. <laughs> but once again, taunting him the entire time, calling him gay, you know, just like, what, you can't handle seeing this? Like, what's wrong with Tom? I mean, you know, it's just, yeah. Like, he, oh, it's Alex just gay. He's calling him a fag, you know. That's well, I wanted the, to be PC. The worst of the <laughs> worst. He faggot. <laughs> you know, he, he repeats that one. Uh, so as Alex forces Tom back in the living room, we hear the doorbell beginning to ring. Alex forces Gloria at knife point to see who's at the door. It's Cindy, a young next-door neighbor. Alex tells How Gloria to answer the door. And no, I think it was just a Gloria friend. Had, uh, I don't think she was a neighbor. I think they said yeah, it was, it was a, a friend neighbor. of ours. Yeah. So once Cindy's inside, Alex introduces himself, and I just I love this scene because he shows up, his shirt's untucked, and he's like, oh, hey, how's it going? And she's immediately attracted to Alex. Like, he walks over to her, he starts, you know, putting his hands around her, starts kissing her a little bit, and she's like, I'm kind of into this guy. Um, and it, it's weird because Ricky also shows up, but Ricky's like, I got a fucking broken bottle. And she's like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> Why is this guy holding a broken bottle? I was kind of into Alex, and she's like, oh, shit, I'm in a bad fucking situation. So Gloria takes this opportunity to flee from the house as Ricky chases after her. Alex grabs Cindy and pulls her into the living room, and we see Ricky catching up to Gloria. He's tossing the broken bottle away. He's saying, I don't want to hurt you. Like, I, I don't want to hurt you. I don't want to harm you. And we also see a neighbor passing by with a dog, but doesn't happen to see Gloria or Ricky, even though the dog's like, holy shit, holy shit, fucking emergency. He's like, shut up. Let's go. <laughs> we got to go home. So the dog is no help. The neighbor is no help. Um, back in the house, Alex forces Cindy into the living room. As outside, Ricky finds Gloria hiding in a greenhouse. He once again says he doesn't want to harm her, and suddenly Gloria sees Ricky's simple-mindedness and decides to take this time to seduce him. We cut back to the what house. What the fuck? Cindy is, I didn't mm-hmm. like, you know, what yes, the fuck is this moment here? It's like she just yeah. thrown on top, you so know, bizarre. Had, had a blade against her, had, had bottles against her and stuff like that. And she's like, oh, okay, well, now you can fuck me. And it's like, huh? <laughs> and what, what sympathy it, shot? Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it's sympathy because she's that whole, he's fucking stupid. It's that whole he's, victim he's, mentality thing. Yeah, it, and she realizes that he really is just simple, and that's why she does it. But during this scene, uh, and we'll see when she gets naked with Ricky, the entire time she was like, "I don't want to show my pussy on camera. Like, I want to avoid it. I don't want to have it seen even a little bit." And Giovanni Lombardo Radice kept trying to put his arm or a leg into the shot. So you couldn't see between her legs. And every time he did it, fucking uh, Rigero would be like, hey, put your fucking arm down, man. He's like, I need to see pussy. Like, I need to see it. <laughs> it's like, well, eventually I had to roll in to Rigero Diodato. <laughs> it's just the entire time he was yelling at him. He's like, put your arm down, put your leg down. You know what I need to see. But um, it's just it, talk about an uncomfortable fucking shoot where she's like, please don't let him see that. But um, So – 
We cut back to the house, and Cindy is laying on a glass table as Alex begins cutting off her clothes with a razor. And we cut back outside, and Gloria and Ricky get naked as Cindy's torture at the hands of Alex continues, tears falling out of her face as he begins taking off her pants. And Alex has his hands all over her, discovering, oh, you're a virgin. And you have a boyfriend, right? Well, Are you a virgin, you know, Claire? Are you a virgin? <laughs> <laughs> and realizing she's I a got virgin, an idea. Like, Listen, the prom queen. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, well, if you're if you you have a boyfriend, like if I was your boyfriend, I would never stop, you know. But it's okay, it's okay. Alex is here. I'm gonna help you with that. But again, he's a fucking sadistic scumbag. But at the same time, you're like, it, it's just the charisma he's exuding. It's like, ow. Oh, you just you can't help but watch that scene. You're like, it's, I wish you weren't so charismatic because I want to fucking hate you. <laughs> um, so he decides he's going to take her virginity since her boyfriend won't. Um, but she gets free of Alex very quickly and covers her body with a blanket as Alex just laughs. So post-sex, Gloria in the greenhouse with uh, Ricky decides they need to go. They need to make a run for it. But Ricky's like, wait a second, I can get Alex to stop. I can get him to calm down, and I'm not going to write out my friend to the cops, so let's just go back in there and we'll talk. And that's when suddenly Alex appears, and the three head back inside as Alex shows off the naked Cindy to Ricky. He offers her to Ricky, but Ricky tells Alex that he just had sex with Gloria, and he's fine. Like, we just fucking take off. Alex seems to agree at first, but then grabs Ricky by the balls and gets angry. Alex returns to Cindy and throws her down onto the couch, slashing at her body with the razor repeatedly on the chest, on the arms, on the legs, just having a great time slashing up her body. And again, we could have had some better effects here of, you know, just something, man. Ah. <laughs> just the plain slashes. I mean, you know, I mean, it's uncomfortable enough hearing this poor girl scream and him slashing at her. I was like, I wasn't looking for gore in this sequence. I wasn't looking for major blood. So the fact that she's screaming the entire time while Alex is smiling and laughing. Like, it's uncomfortable. Like, I mean, I, for me anyway. Like, it's a, a cringe-worthy moment in this movie where I'm just like, I just want it to stop. <laughs> Somebody stop him slashing her, you know, because, you know, she's an innocent person. You know, she did nothing wrong. But Ricky then demands that Alex stop and tells him to remember the girl from last year. Uh, here we go, ghoul. But Alex tells him to shut up. Ricky attempts to physically stop Alex but gets slashed in the stomach by Alex. Ricky drops to the floor in disbelief, being slashed by his supposed best friend. Um, and that's why this movie is also a great example of toxic friendship, where you have the one douchebag friend, and you have the one friend who's not quite as psychopathic as the other, but he's constantly forcing Ricky to do shit that he doesn't want to do. And you can kind of get that kind of flavor from this movie, that Alex is always forcing Ricky to do something he doesn't want to do. Um, and Ricky just goes along with it. You know, I don't think he's afraid of Alex, but I think he just wants to impress his friend and make him happy. Um, but it's something that Ruggiero didn't really um, kind of open up with this movie. But anyway, Alex tosses away his razor and wants to know why Ricky turned against him. He didn't want to hurt him. These are all bastards. They did this to him. They're just going to try to turn on him, and that's what's going to happen. So we see Tom reaching into a drawer where he pulls out a gun just as Alex retrieves his razor. Again, that gun was there the entire time, but they're picking this time. And they... And they could have gotten that gun any time during the movie. There were so many opportunities <laughs> exactly. where they could the have just walked. Me. 
stuff yep. the I five will always steps say that get the gun. Yeah, it's just mm-hmm. oh, we had a gun there. Okay, plenty of chances. Okay, granted, but we, granted, we're gonna have a party like situation in the living room, but let's put it in the most awkward place in the setting. But still, though, so many missed opportunities where they could have just been like, "All right, I'm gonna go walk over here real quick." While you go checking the door that's locked yeah. because yeah. we got a hot chick out there. Hey, look, there's the gun. All right, problem solved. You know, ah. No, I completely agree. I, this is one of the weakest points of the movie, is the fact yeah. that there was a gun there the entire time, and they decided to grab it now. Um, so Tom points the gun at Alex and shoots him in the leg. Wounded, Alex manages to stand up, but is shot two more times as he falls outside in front of the pool. So Gloria manages to untie Howard as Tom confronts the wounded Alex, explaining that the girl that he raped at the beginning of the movie was his sister. This is all set up to get Alex there, Make it seem like two hoodlums broke in, and he kills them with a gun in self-defense. And Alex, he fell for it. So he's not as smart as Ricky would think that he is. In shock, Alex Alex once again manages to get to his feet, and wait for it, gets his dick shot off. As he screams (laughs) in slow motion. Greatest moment of the fucking movie. They killed my nuts! He just... You get that gunshot right through the fucking dick and ah, fucking slow motion. It's fucking great. <laughs> they didn't need to do it in slow motion, but they did. Um, Alex falls backwards into the pool as Lisa takes the gun from Tom and fires it at Alex as he struggles in the water and eventually makes it out of the pool. And that's where we see Howard helping Alex to his feet, but then pushes him back into the pool. And this is where we see Lisa handing the gun to Howard as he fires one last shot in Alex's head, killing him. They just let everyone have a, have a go. <laughs> everybody had a chance. <laughs> so Tom tells everyone that they need to tell the police that he's the only one that fired the gun. It's- Howard then finds Ricky inside and is about to shoot him when Gloria stops him. She tells him that he didn't do anything and doesn't deserve to die as Glenda tends to the wounded Cindy. And as we cut to the study, Lisa finds Tom about to call the police. They found the whole thing exciting, kind of like a real high. And everything worked out despite Alex seeming to be smarter than they thought. Tom then decides to call the police as we end on a freeze frame of Alex's dead body floating in the pool. And that is the house Ah. on the edge of the park. Um, Again, like I said, it's David Hess. He's the king of sleaze. You want to hate him at the same time. He's, He's compelling. Like, you just... You can't help but like him a little bit. Um, comparing this to Last House on the Left, I still think that Krug is the better villain, but Alex, you know, is pretty up there. Yeah, I mean, it feels, it's a very similar character. You know what I mean? He's not, it's yeah. not like he's playing anything all that different than the Krug character. Maybe, uh, you can't even really say slightly, it's almost like he's slightly less cruel but that's really, I think, a directorial choice more than anything else. Um, you know, because there were plenty of times that they could have taken this in those those more graphic and, and dirtier ways. Oh, they now, completely could have. You, yeah. Yes, Steve. The, the, question, the question that I have, and I don't know if, if, if this is something that I might have missed, because I have to admit, um, when I was watching this, there was like a truly, and I didn't zip it back, but I, I, and I checked the minute counter. There was like a seven minute gap towards the start 
um, where I had dozed off for a little bit. But did was there any any knowledge that we learned that all of the people at the party who had laid this trap for Alex, like given that Alex had 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 raped the girl in the beginning and murdered her and left, how would they have mm-hmm. even known who it was? that had did it. This is the one thing that kept exactly. gnawing at me. This is the one thing that kept at me once the reveal happened. Like, how would they know that it was Alex? How would they know and find him to set it up? Is there, like, another cut or something? Like, I just feel like it's, like, a massive plot hole um, that I just have not been able to stop thinking about since I watched it. Well, there isn't, but they do explain that there was a year in between her rape and murder and them finding yeah. Alex at the garage. Um, and Alex also wearing the necklace that he stole from her body, um, you know, which, which gives them credence to thinking this is the guy, this is what we need to do. Um, but again, it, it's an Italian sleaze fucking horror movie. Like, you're not going to get a lot of you know, key explanations. Uh, you're be like, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, well, no, 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 no. But, no, but to sit there and mimic you last week, okay, when you're like about outbreak movies, you want a reason, you want an explanation, okay? This is a plotted murder that we're going to watch. It's like there should definitely mm-hmm. be a, a, a heavy, heavy plot here written going, you know, hey, we're doing this because of, you know, I... The, you know, did this happen? And this is how it happened. You know, all you got to do is have a quick, quick, you know, couple sentences about you fucked up because you left like something in the car or something, you know, and, and we I mean. tracked you down and we've been planning this for the past year. So, sorry, Dean, go ahead. Yeah, no, uh, echoing what you were saying, I'm not saying, King, that I'm I'm looking for some big explanation, but yeah, just like the monkey said, like before, like before the guy pulls the trigger for the first time, they could have said like, Oh, like the the you're like you dropped like your mechanic's business card or like just something like some indication for how they would have found him in the at the garage. They knew he worked at the garage. They knew to come and get him there. And yes, he had the necklace. But like, how would they know he had the necklace there at the garage? Like, just something that gives us an indication as to how the you know they were able to find out who killed the girl in order to exact their revenge. There's going to be a million fucking garages in Italy. I mean, New York. You know, how are they going to be able to find the one? Then what was with that one shot with the, the fucking weird-ass trolley thing hanging up in the air? In the yeah, background. Yeah, you know what? I was going to look that up and find out. I don't think that was New York. I don't believe there were sky cars there at the time, but it was... A, that's not completely out of the Island, question either. They they might have had that. Um, but, uh, yeah. you know, the one thing I thought about was this. So we know that, that Ricky and, and Alex are frequenters of, like, the club scene. You know, so, I yep. mean, I, I kind of took it as maybe, you know, he Alex is not a quiet person. He obviously is, nope. like, you know, he likes to be the fucking center of attention. So... You know, maybe they do know where his sister was when she was killed. They know the areas that she frequents. And a little bit of homework, you know, you go, okay, hey, I'm at the club. They see him with the necklace on one night, and they kind of put two to two together, and there's the plot. Now, should that have been explained in the movie? Yes, of course. But Mm -hmm. that's kind of how I 
like kind of put it together and was just like, okay, maybe this is the fucking the way I can explain it at least. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you there. And, and yeah, like Monkey had said, where I had a problem last week with Virus 32 and not having an explanation, with House and Edge of the Park, like, I'm not looking for that. I'm like, it's been a year. You know, they've obviously probably done the research. Alex is in the discos all the time. So wearing a necklace, that's definitely just proof that he did it. Um, I just, I so you're just going to kill anyone that's wearing a necklace that possibly looks like your sister's? How many times did they pull this off? How many mechanics did they kill wearing necklaces that possibly look like his sisters? They could have killed a ton of them. How many? No, who cares? Like, how many (laughs) fucking mechanics are wearing necklaces like that? You don't know. It's Italy. I mean, New York. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, it's 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 somewhere, you know. But yeah, again, with that (laughs) shot, I don't know if they had those type of things. I know Roosevelt Island does, but again, you know, who knows? They could have had that in New York back in in 1979 when the movie was shot. I don't know. Um, but just overall, yeah, it's not something that I questioned. I just kind of went with it because, you know, I was compelled by the performances. So it didn't really bog me down. But with oh, that being Christ said, compelled him. <laughs> I'm compelled by what uh, the ghoul has next week for us. What are we talking about next week, ghoul? Well, oh, cool. you know me, man. I'm, what a I'm segue. always thinking long, <laughs> and I'm thinking thinking hard of what you know I'm gonna fucking pick because you know, I like I like deep I like deep stories you hard. know and 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 great things. Um, you know me too though. I I really enjoy having us watch films that are completely not in, in order. order in any way. Because why? You why, watch the first, <laughs> why watch the first movie when we can come in? Somewhere else, like part six or part four or, or, or part three or something of that nature. So being that summer is, is right around the corner, and, you know, we, we've covered other, other films of this ilk before, but never of this franchise, I figure what better way to, do, to kick off the summer than to just jump right into a little shark action, except we're going to go with Sharknado, The Fourth Awakens, so the fourth Sharknado movie. That's what we're going to start with. Awesome. <laughs> Sharknado 4? Okay. The Fourth Awakens. Yeah. Sharknado 4. <laughs> yeah. Sharknado 4. Okay. I know. <laughs> I've only seen the first, so cool. I get to flip to the fourth. <laughs> well, we're really so having we're fun now. <laughs> so, I'm excited. Yeah, I'm the, <laughs> well, the monkey yeah, like Yeah, glad you're... Hopefully they have an explanation for everything, Monkey, uh, while they do this movie of <laughs> Sharknado 4. A hell of a lot so more than this movie did. <laughs> oh, hopefully. I hope so. I hope, you, hope you have. I hope you have every question answered. <laughs> and you're not leave with anything vague. So that's the next, With Sharknado uh, 4? Yes, because I watched parts 1, 2, and 3 before. <laughs> oh, so you're the one. Oh, so the monkey is ready. Them. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, All right. that's kind so, of disappointing. I'm sorry. Yeah, I've, I've only seen the first, so let's go with the, you know, the, the fourth awakening. All right, so, Dean, thank you so much for joining us for The House on the End of the Park, my birthday pick. We'll see you back here next week for Sharknado 4, The Fourth Awakens. Oh, how exciting. Yes. Uh, uh, once, again, <laughs> once, uh, once again, King, the, the happiest of birthdays. I'm glad you thank ate you so stomachs at, at Sweet Maple's. And Pig I'm yes, and I'm sorry uh, that you had Pig to see uh, 
redneck Confederate flag hats, but I hope you still had a wonderful birthday, and I hope you get in some some Jenga practice um, when when you can. <laughs> I'm hoping. So I guess it was the dean that sent you that Jenga. <laughs> all right, well, all right, Man Monkey, why don't you go ahead and sign yourself off? Explain yourself. All right. <laughs> well, I may not have gotten you a jingle for your birthday. Happy birthday, brother. I love you. Uh, and just happy to be able to spend some time with you on your birthday, man. All right. Good night, everybody. Mwah. <laughs> all right. And Ghoul, why don't you go ahead and sign yourself off so we get ready for Sharknado 4, the fourth of weekend next week. Uh, king, king, king. Happy, happy fucking birthday, buddy. Uh, you know, I, I remember it was a long time ago where where the first time we ever, like, hung out in yeah, person man. was actually on your birthday. Uh, it I was. Might, I believe it might have Was happened. that your 30th birthday? Was that your 30th birthday no. at Encinitos? Okay. No, no. So you were there for that. No. It was the years before. I think it was, like, my 26th okay. or 27th. Oh, but, okay. Yeah, I remember you well, bought me the, uh, the Norman Bates and the Tar Man figures. Indeed, indeed. See, and then now I don't buy you anything anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but again, ha- I'm happy, happy fucking birthday! And oh, you know oh. that's not true. I just send you random shit, like fucking, uh, like fucking. What do you call Chia it, pets. man? Chia Chia pets and Chia shit pets. like that. You know, I'm gonna get it's a hold of my dick, and, and I'm gonna set it up so that it's like a fucking Italian fucking exploitation thing with the pubes, bro. Um, <laughs> pubes, bro. So, so on that note, you know, everybody, stay scared, okay? Stay fucking scared. Hell yeah. So. Again, you know, Monkey, Dean, Ghoul, thank you so much for celebrating my birthday with me. I fucking love you guys. I love talking to her. I love what we do, you know, and I don't love Jenga, but I do love what we do. So thank you guys so much for <laughs> being there with me and, and you know, pounding around with me every Wednesday. It's a lot of fun. I still love what we do. It's been 10 years of talking to her as of this year, so it's, it's fucking a big deal to me, and I love the fact that we're still doing it, so... As for all of you at home, thank you so much. Hail Satan. Hail yourselves. Hail Odorous. Keep America strong. Watch horror movies. And we'll see you back here next week for Sharknado 4, The Fourth Awakens.